On this episode of Come Pray With Me, I interviewed Dr. Uzma Jafri from the podcast Mommying While Muslim. She will explain what inspired her on her podcasting journey, as well as the significance of Sharia law to Muslims and advice from the Quran and Hadith for new parents. Welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you on as a guest. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you um, having me on today. Absolutely. So my first question is, what inspired you to create your podcast, Mommying While Muslim? So Mommying While Muslim is um, the brainchild of my co-host and the founder of Mommying While Muslim, Zeba Hassan, who had an experience flying while Muslim uh, for the first time ever. And it was more experienced secondhand as a mother watching her children go through that because she is white passing and her children are not. I mean, I would argue that at least one of them is, but this one was not. And um, she had a harrowing experience and called me for help and, you know, what resources to talk to her children about what had happened because it was pretty traumatizing for them. It was the first time it had occurred. And um, I, I gave her those resources and she said, hey, would you be willing to come and talk? And, and they were very scant, by the way, just FYI. Um, she asked if I would um, talk about it on a podcast. And I said, sure. What's a podcast? So three and a half years later, uh, we are, you know, here and almost 200 episodes in with Mommy Well Muslim addressing those political social issues that uh, Muslim Americans face, particularly um, second generation and native born Muslims. So on your podcast, you talk a lot about uh, Sharia based parenting. So what is the significance of Sharia to Muslims and how do you apply that? to your parenting? Sharia, as close as I can think of it, is like canon law um, or Jewish law or, you know, Mormon law. Uh, it is a set of rules that Muslims abide by in order to fulfill their religious obligations. And so when people are saying they want to outlaw religious law, what they're telling us, what we're hearing is we are not allowed to pray, which is a violation of our, you know, just First Amendment. Um, we are not allowed to eat the way we want. We are not to, uh, allowed to dress the way we want. Basically every single civil right that we have that's protected in this country, we cannot practice because Sharia law is just the way we live our lives. So we have rules to eat and to engage and to socialize. And I think people focus on some, um, Sharia law that's executed in other countries. However, one of the tenets of Sharia law is that it is only applicable to the people in that place in that time. So it is something that is not universal. It is not blanket. So Sharia law in Saudi Arabia is going to look very different than Sharia law in America, because part of Sharia law, one of the tenets is the law of the land is the law you abide by. And you can participate in Sharia within the guidelines of those laws and practicing our religion, eating the food that we eat, living our lives the way we live them is not in conflict with the constitution and the bill of rights as we know it. And there's a lot of confusion, I think, about what Sharia law is and what constitutes that is the Quran, which is Muslim scripture, and they believe the word of God. So it's super holy. And that's why they flip out when people will desecrate the Quran because they're like, that's literally the word of God, guys. Like, don't do that. And then the Hadith, which is the narrations of Muhammad and the things that he did and the things that he said. Now, the Quran was written in his lifetime. He was not literate. And so his scribes wrote it in his lifetime as he dictated it to them. Um, however, the Hadith, the earliest that it was written down was 200 years after his death. So if anybody knows telephone, you know um, that, 
you know, if you don't put it to paper immediately, it's going to get lost to time, like a lot of our biblical stories and our um, Hebrew stories did. So uh, the hadith is relative to also the interpretation of the scholars that are interpreting it. And there are weak hadith, uh, weak narrations that are quoted all the time and attributed to Sharia law. And those are the ones that you'll typically see on Islamophobic websites and on the Islamophobic network, which is a $3 billion network in any case. Um, I would like to point out that our particular podcast does not focus on Sharia law. Um, we're talking about uh, social issues within the context of Sharia law, if that makes sense. So when it comes up, we will refer to it and always refer to scholars because my um, co-host Seba and I are, we make it very clear, we are not scholars, but if our audience has questions or if we have questions, we will bring in the experts and the scholars and find out more. And we're very quick to say we don't know um, when there's a question that comes up, like, what does Sharia say about this? Well, we don't know. You're going to have to go ask a scholar that you trust. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And it relates to a lot of events that have been going on. Like in uh, France, there have been yeah. bans on uh, hijab, niqab, burqa, and even uh, in schools. The yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like <laughs> the, the big one is somebody just wants to go hang out on the beach and yeah. all these. You're going to undress a woman so on mad. the beach. I don't know. In America, we call that sexual assault, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess or, the French are different. <laughs> yeah, or like make a little girl choose between her faith or going to school because they yeah. don't want her to wear her hijab, which. Yeah. So the like biggest democracy <laughs> in the world is India. And that's what's going on right now. If people have um, been paying attention to the news where women are being told removed or expelled from college campuses for covering their hair and the largest population, people don't know this. They think all Muslims come are Arab and they come from Arab speaking country. The majority of Muslims come from the Indian subcontinent. So India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. So there's a huge Muslim population out there. So if you think about the Indian population and the percentage of Muslims out there, it is a significant hit to the Muslim community and a violation of civil liberties and a so-called self-proclaimed democracy. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, how do you apply the, the teachings of Sharia to your parenting? Yeah, and that's really important. Um, we, uh, I guess, commonly uh, call it prophetic parenting. So the Quran in itself is the word of God is like, honor thy parents. I mean, that's in every, you know, religion that we can think of um, to honor your parents. And there's a particular chapter about a man and his advice to his son, which is really, really nice. But, you know, for mommy, one Muslim, our focus is going to be on mothers. And so we'll focus on like the mother of Mary, Mary herself, again, another chapter devoted to a mother in the Quran. So that's really important. But, you know, the day-to-day -day practices of how do I talk to my kid about sex and how do I talk to my kid about drugs and, you know, what do I do if my kid's joining a gang or comes out of the closet, you know? So those day-to-day -day things, we need to go to um, the hadith, the, the narrations of Muhammad and his companions to see like, hey, how do I handle this? And the biggest part of it is trying to, I think in prophetic parenting is to model the things he did. And um, it was very common practice in those days, you know, for poor people to put their children in servitude to other people. And even though Muhammad himself couldn't afford to pay for um, the servant boy that his mom said, I have nothing to give you except my son. Please keep him as a servant. So this eight-year-old was in service of the prophet Muhammad for 10 years. 
And he said, even when I like m messed up, because I mean, an eight-year-old, they're not, they're not perfect, right? They mess up a lot. So he said, even when I messed up, um, he would never scold me. He never reproached me. He just let me do my thing. And he would always advise me to do these spiritual acts in a good way and to speak in this manner and to be kind in that manner. And even when his wives would come to scold me, he would say, no, he did what God willed. Leave him alone. So he was always under his protection in that way. Um, when we are in the scripture, in the Quran, it's very important to protect the orphans too. So for Muslim mothers, like the community's children are our children. So we're not just trying to model that prophetic uh, parenting and prophetic discipline, if you will. We're also trying to exercise it with the community's children because um, it's still very much a village concept. Like I see something, I'm going to say something to your mom. Um, so that still exists for us. And we're actually very pleased with it. So there is still a concept of uh, communities raising children. Of course, this is relative to where you live. So Muslims in like, you know, Podunk don't have that access like a lot of us do in bigger cities. But that's been um, the experience that I had. Um, I think that's just basically it. Trying to go back to the examples of Muhammad and extrapolating, okay, I'm not supposed to flip out and um, disown my kid if he comes out of the closet. I have to get to the base of the problem. I have to continue supporting and loving and guiding my child and not giving up on anybody ever because that's what he did on people who did not believe or people who were against him or enemies and stuff like that. So that is kind of, I think, the, the way we practice prophetic parenting in our day-to-day. So in your own opinion, what is some advice on parenting from the Quran or Hadith that you would give to a new parent? It's titled Luqman, L-U-Q-M-A-N. I'm sorry that I don't know the chapter by heart, but there's like seven lessons in here and, you know, telling his son, and this isn't a prophet, this is just a sage that there's a whole chapter about him in the in the Quran so people can see what parenting is like. Um Basically establishing the tenets of Sharia, saying pay, give your poor tax, you know, make sure you believe in the hereafter um, and just be really good. Um, don't, I think what's important is uh, don't go for those who are like of pomp and circumstance, who are really loud showing off religion, because that's not what religion is about. It's not a show. It Islam in particular is a relationship directly between you and God. So keep it that way. Um don't turn away from the revelations. Uh, it's just in particular, I, I would say the focus is on that very core monotheistic beliefs, but also to always be grateful to God and to people, um, uh, to purify your worship. And of course, to honor your parents. That's really important. And a lot of the um, proofs that we we shove at our kids come from this particular chapter. Um, and what's, I think, really important, because there is such a large population of Muslims coming to Islam or new Muslims, to the advice to his son is don't cut off relations with those that don't even believe in your religion, because family is really important. We did a whole series this month on ties of kinship, which is um, blood relations. It's really important to maintain those in Islam and is an, an actual sin if you sever them. Like you have to have a very, very compelling reason to do that. And even then we don't really have um, any proof of it. So for this to say that you can come to Islam, but you still have a responsibility to the family 
of your family of origin. So don't uh, leave them be. Don't be prideful. Um, be moderate when you walk, when you speak, when you eat in all things. Extremes don't serve anybody. And we've seen what happens when people do. Um, so I just think it's really, really um, a really good chapter to read. And I'm sorry that the number isn't coming up for me. Oh, wait, I found it. 31. <laughs> chapter 31. There it was. The second example I would give is uh, Prophet Muhammad's advice to Anas, who was the, the child servant that he had had um, at the time. And the advice to him is pretty, there's a long list of things that Anas has narrated because he's like one of the top narrators of hadith, uh, of things that Muhammad said to him. And I would go to those two sources first if you're looking to, okay, how do I, I'm pregnant now, what do I do? This baby is coming. Start there. Don't start at the baby registry because you're putting the cart before the horse. So uh, in one of the examples you gave, it talked about the importance of praying. So what role does prayer play for you when it comes to parenting? Yeah. So prayer, the Muslim prayer in particular, we believe is what differentiates us from the other monotheistic religions and um, the ones that precede us. And so that prayer is one of the first things we'll be asked about upon our deaths. And so we do believe in an afterlife as Muslims. So um, prayer, 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 and then prayer. And so my kids do not observe halal, which is, or zabiha, which is our version of kosher, Jewish kosher. Um, they don't observe that. They are 14 and under. I think I was observing it by the time I was 10 or 11, and that was my choice. Like, I don't even think my parents were on board. I learned it from my grandma and I wanted to exercise that. But before that, my grandma was teaching me the scripture. She was praying. I was getting up in the morning to pray with her. There are five daily prayers. And so, you know, your her whole entire schedule was around that. And, you know, what she taught, what Muhammad taught, what the scholars teach is that our daily life schedules need to rotate around the prayer. That is one thing that we are never allowed to miss. There are, of course, exceptions, um, which people can look up if they want to. However, uh, there is really no excuse for missing prayers. And so modeling that for my children is more important to me and establishing that with my children is more important to me than observing the rules of Zabiha, which, you know, there's like cake and then there's icing. And then there's the decoration on top. I really think Zabi has the decoration on top, you know? So it's not even on the icing on the cake. So the, like build your cake, bake your cake well. And I think that is the foundation of our parenting. Do you have any prayers you would like to share while you're on the program? Uh, yeah, in particular, it is, um, I don't know if in the Bible or uh, the Torah she is mentioned, but it is... Uh, the mother of Mary. And I love this one so much. Um, is there a story about her in uh, prior scriptures? I believe so, but uh, I don't think she's covered in the same length in the Torah or the Bible as in the Quran. Okay. I don't even say, I don't even think like she's mentioned, but once um, in the Quran as well. But uh, I, I love this one because, you know, Prayers are so elaborate and comprehensive, but they are like really succinct, right? And it's like you've covered generations in this one prayer. And so when we, uh, in the in the Quran, it's written that Mary's mother was expecting, and of course she didn't have ultrasounds back then. And, you know, we're very misogynistic pagan cultures. And so we favor sons. 
And so she was praying for a son and uh, her particular prayer of importance is I seek refuge with you, God, for her and for her offspring from um, Satan. So I think when her she she lamented when this girl child was born, but she was like, okay, this is God's will because she was a believing woman. And she makes this prayer for this girl child and her offspring. And what people don't know is Jesus and Mary are so important um, in Muslim history and Muslim theology that her and her offspring, like Jesus, yes, did not have children, but there is a line that is important um, in that genealogy. And uh, so based on this, we consider ourselves that offspring too. And so it's just, it's just a very sweet prayer to make over any of your children that are male or female or, you know, non-binary. So it's important for us to, I think, as moms be able to say this because the power of a mother's prayer, I mean, you know, sailing Moses down the bath, down the river in a basket, like his mother, like believing in God and giving up the most beautiful thing and praying for the safety of this child. So he won't be killed. And then he's raised by Pharaoh. Like, so cool. You know, it mothers just play such an important, important role in the scripture and history and Muslim tradition. And for that reason, I think this is one of many, many prayers, but probably my favorite prayer. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. Do you have anything else you'd like to talk about while you're on the program? It's important uh, for people to ask questions, but there's also a responsibility that we each have to learn more, right, on our own and not put the onus on um, minority populations to educate us because that's not their job. It is our job uh, to pursue that and do that. And so, you know, I think if people have questions, that's great, but do your due diligence. I know if you Google Islam, there's a lot of bad stuff out there, um, but an easy step um, that isn't going to harm anyone and is 100% free is to listen to podcasts, right? So of course, I'm going to plug ours and say it's a very friendly, very non-preachy way uh, to learn more about Islam, but there are many out there that are great podcasts that we can uh, refer you to if you're looking for particular questions or have particular concerns in your research of Islam. So um, I welcome people to email us salam at mommyingwellmuslim.com or sign up for our newsletter, sign up for our Facebook. We are not exclusive to Muslims only. In fact, our largest um, listening audience uh, identifies as non-Muslim, which is interesting, and the most active members in our Facebook group are not Muslim. So we love it. We enjoy it because um, they they let us know that they enjoy being flies on the wall and getting their education that way. And if there's still some gaps, then they'll say, I heard this, I looked this up, but I still have, I want to know. And we're so, so happy to do that for um, people who listen to our podcast. You can stream Mommying While Muslim on all major podcast streaming platforms, such as Spotify and iTunes. If you're interested in learning more about Islam, you can check out the Quran or Hadith at your local library or pay a visit to your local mosque.